New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. In spite of pervasive reports of violence, fundamentalism, breakdowns, and catastrophes that are hijacking our attention, there is a movement of very positive energies that are not being reported in corporate media. This awakening is taking place planet-wide and is a channeling of healing, peace, and higher consciousness. Our guest today tells us that we are not alone in this evolution of awareness. We are being assisted by innumerable higher kingdoms of helpers in this cosmic unfolding. Today we'll be exploring a new era of planetary-wide spiritual cosmic awakening with our guest, Dr. Ricardo Stoker. Ricardo Stoker grew up in Argentina, moved to Europe when he was 25 years old, and now lives in Northern California. He studied at Emerson College in England, Prescott College in Arizona, and at the Saybrook University in San Francisco. He's a counselor, homesteader, musician, and professor of psychology and communication at Mendocino College. He's the author of our compassionate cosmos awakening to the presence of celestial love. Join us for the next hour as we explore the nature of cosmic reality and the unfoldment of our extraordinary potentials with Dr. Ricardo Stoker. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Ricardo, welcome. Thank you, Justine. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's this. great to have you here in our studio. Can I begin by having you go back to your early years in Argentina? You describe in your book this wonderful way that you spent a lot of time just looking up at the stars in in these remote regions so you could really see the night sky. Can you describe yeah, how yeah. that was for you? Well, yeah, I grew up there, and our family had a ranch in Patagonia. And uh, I remember vividly uh, the night sky, especially in the winter, it's just awesome. You see, there's no interference, no big lights and nothing, you know. And um, all the nebulas, the Southern Cross, the, uh, all kinds of fantastic things, you know. So I always was uh, struck with wonder about the immensity of the universe, you know. 
And it's very, it's like being in a, in a different planet <laughs> down there, you know. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm struck out by, you were feeling, and you've used this word, we are stellar beings. And, and you were feeling connected to your stellarness, so to speak, in exactly, that moment. Exactly, exactly. Well, this is a feeling that people have had for ages, the mystery of the infinite, the universe, you know, where do we come from, what are we doing here, et cetera, et cetera, you know? So uh, there's some, there's a spark, a stellar spark in us. And so, I mean, people say we come from a star, we are a star, we, you know. So there's a connection there between our heart and the stars. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Um, I would love for you to then talk about how, let's just get right into it. You talk about our interests and where we are and and where we come from. Well, let's talk about some of the theories that are extant today that belief systems and, and concepts. And one of them that we have, at least in Western culture, is that we are born in original sin. And this is something that, you know, we, we need improvement. We, we need, there's something wrong with us, and we're born less than that stellar person that you're talking exactly, about. Exactly. So can you talk about that? Well, there, there's two um, prevalent theories. One is the original sin, you know, that something happened uh, in the remote past, and we uh, carry that uh, fall. We have fallen beings, you know. And we have to be redeemed. You know, there's something wrong with us. Yeah. Together with that is this so-called scientific theory, or the Big Bang theory, which says we're just um, consequences of a big explosion, <laughs> as if we are just pure matter. You know, we are atoms and molecules and stuff like that. So both of them. Uh, denigrate our true origin, which is celestial, really, you know. So we are um, celestial beings who happen to be on Earth right now. And um, so we are not just products of a mechanical, chaotic, random evolution. So in other words, like our, our there are some people that would say, okay, our our brain is... It doesn't have consciousness, so to speak, something right. beyond its chemical reaction to things. Yeah. It's very random and and very uh, materialistic, I exactly. guess. Exactly, yes. So, Re reductionistic. Reductionistic, yeah, okay. Yes. And what so, do you mean by that? That means when, um, and in my book I talk about uh, some mental viruses, you know. I talk about three of them, but one of them is... I call it the nothing but. So it says, life is nothing but the outcome of complex molecules. Consciousness is nothing but but the uh, electrochemistry of the brain, you know. But we know it's not, you know. Many people have experienced consciousness outside the brain. The brain doesn't generate consciousness. It picks it up, but it's not the origin of consciousness. Yeah. Uh, the whole near-death feel uh, shows that, you know. So um, it's a very, we have a very materialistic way of thinking, really, you know. 
So in those three mental viruses, the one is nothing but, which you just explained. Yeah. And the next one is forever, I think. Is that right? No, the, no, the, the next the, one the is... The first one I mentioned is... Oh. Uh, what you call the mono. There is only one. Only one. There's only one God. There's only one way. There's only one this or one that, you know. And people kill one another on that. You know, that's the history of religion, the history of yes. all kinds of crazy things. And there's only my tribe and everybody right, else is right. wrong. So is the denial of diversity and multiplicity, you know, the opposite. There's yes. only one way, it's my way, and that's it, you know, or my religion. And the second one is... Um, Nothing but, which is reductionism, explaining something through molecules and atoms and stuff. And the third one is the permanence, that things always remain the same. They're written in stone, you know, commandments, law, and there's never change, you know, which is the opposite of impermanence. <laughs> Even in, in, in physics, Newtonian physics, exactly. you know, that everything is reduced down to atoms, and but now... and Gravity yeah. is is always going to be this, but then they found that exactly. wait a minute, time and gravity and things like that yeah. are are more mutable. Yes, this fantastic guy Rupert Sheldrake, you know, he, says, he describes that all this law, the gravity, the speed of light, they're not fixed. This uh, constant, we call them, you know, they're not constant. They fluctuate. It's not fixed. It's always changing. You know. That's so, a, what are some of the antidotes to to these? Let's let's say um, the first one is um, only one a monoculture. What's the antidote to a mono thinking? <laughs> well, the awakening to diversity. Uh, diversity exists in nature and culture, and each one of us is a different being. You know, there's a tremendous diversity. Not to mention the other worlds, universes, galaxies, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, so that's one. Uh, the antidote for the other one is like uh, nothing but nothing but is understanding the hierarchy of kingdoms. You know, that you cannot explain life through chemistry. You cannot explain consciousness through the brain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you have to be Einstein said that you have to, you cannot solve a problem at the same level that it was generated. You have to go to a higher level. Yeah, um, intelligence. What do we mean by intelligence? You know, all these things. They are always uh, trying to explain downwards, flatten. You know, a redux, reductionistic approach. Um, and then the antidote for the third one is the wonderful concept of impermanence that the Buddhists love, you know. Now, impermanence is interesting. And uh, one of my favorite quotes by Thich Nhat Hanh is, thanks to impermanence, anything is possible. Impermanence is frightening a lot of people. That's why we have insurance companies, you know. Things might change, things might break down, disappear, blah, blah, blah. But impermanence means there is a continuous flow, regeneration, day by day, moment to moment. Things are changing, changing all the time, and that's why miracles are possible because nothing is fixed; everything is flowing. You know. So the yeah. the three of them, the um, only one that you talk about, like there is a multiplicity of of 
things in the universe. Nothing is forever, and, and nothing but is that um, there's either this or that. It's a reductionism, but it's much bigger. Our life is much bigger, much bigger than that. Exactly, yes. Yes, yes. So as we work with these viruses, I'm thinking you you also mentioned something about the vertical. And, and in your book, there's a wonderful concept that I would love for us to really get into. It's called the vertical intelligence and then the horizontal intelligence and how we collect information. Exactly. So if you could help us understand those two kinds of yes. intelligences. Well, especially in today's world, we are flooded with information of all kinds. You can go to YouTube, Google, whatever, you know. And so that is going in the media too. It's superficial surface information. The floor. It could be very useful, you know, but it remains at the surface level. That's the horizontal. The vertical is when you become in touch with yourself, with your body, but also with your spirit the depth and the height of your own being, you know. And that's where the, you are connected with the universe, you know, in a different way. That's what the mystics do and did, you know. Okay, well, let's talk about that in more in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Dr. Ricardo Stoker, and he's the author of Our Compassionate Cosmos, Awakening to the Presence of of celestial love. And if you'd like to be in touch with him, you can go to his email, ricardostoker at msn.com. And he spells his last name S-T-O-C-K-E-R, ricardostoker at msn.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Ricardo Stoker. He is the author of Our Compassionate Cosmos, Awakening to the Presence of Celestial Love. So, Ricardo, we're talking about the vertical and the horizontal. Yes. I really want to get more down into that. And and in the horizontal, um, the way that I'm thinking about it is that's the earthbound 
information that we're getting, like yeah. our media and, and other ways that we get information and through the internet and through books and so forth and so on, we're getting a lot of information. As, as you say, some of that is very valuable. But you're saying that we need to be aware if we're truly going to awaken our consciousness into this new era of transformation is to be in touch with the vertical, the celestial. The So can you say more about yes, that? Yes, yes. I'll give you an image here. When you walk into the ocean, let's say you first you walk up to your knees, then to your waist, and then you get to a point where you lose control because you're being pushed, a pull and, and, and push in all directions. And that is the image of the horizontal thing, the social cultural forces. They're always uh, conditioning and informing and, and pushing us in all directions. So how do you stop that to be in touch with yourself? Know thyself. This is a very ancient thing. There's nothing new about it. you know. And that's why we have meditation, where people stop, become still, and to try to tune in into who am I, you know, but that means you're tuning into your body to begin with, but your soul, your heart, your spirit, all levels of yourself. You know? So all chakras, if you want to call it that way too. Um, so that's the vertical, the upright, and that enables you to be in touch with the depth and the heights of existence, really. So in, uh, I'd love for you, I know that... Recently, in the last year or so, you you had a heart attack. Correct, and, yes. And in this, you had an experience of a true experience, not just talking about it or a concept of it, exactly. a true experience of a certain level of this vertical intelligence. Can you, yes. can you speak about that? Well, you know... I was brought up as a Catholic, you know, and uh, we were told we have a guardian angel. And I, I always knew I had one, you know, but, <laughs> but when I was in the ICU coming out of this uh, surgery, I had an encounter with my guardian angel. I immediately, beautiful divine being, you know, face to face, and I knew this is my guardian angel. That's it, you know. And the guardian angel reassured me without words that everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be fine, you know, I'm in good hands, no fear, nothing to worry about. You know. So it was a wonderful, trans I call it trans-dimensional encounter. You know. It wasn't quite a near-death experience because I wasn't near-death, <laughs> but, but it was. I was on the threshold between the worlds, you know. So it's very reassuring. Yeah. What do you have to say about the the veil between worlds, between that kind of celestial world mm. and or invisible world, and and now this material plane? Uh, what what's happening with the veil right now? Yeah. The between these two worlds. I believe, according to my experience, that the the, the whole veil is people talk about the thinning of the veil. It's like the clouds are dispersing and the sunshine is beginning to radiate through, you know. Uh, the clouds that separate 
this world from other worlds. There's more than one other world. There's many other worlds, you know. And there's many avenues. People say, um, how can you get through this cross the veil? Well, you can have um, a mystical experience, an LSD trip, uh, a psychic experience, a shamanic experience, all kinds of possibilities. But it's very close to us. You know, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right there. It's already there, you know. Um, but we are so engulfed in our own uh, darkness of consciousness, oblivion and forgetfulness that we have no idea, you know, till something breaks through. Oh, it was always there, you know. What do you attribute to that thinning of the veil? You say that it's thinning these days uh, in in general, not just in as an individual, but right. it's thinning. Yeah. Why? How? What's the happening? The way I try to explain is that there is a global collective, you know, Carl Jung used to call about, uh, talk about the collective unconscious. But there is, there's another collective. It's called the collective superconscious. That's the Aurobindo used to talk about that. So there is a, a innumerable beings who are actually helping us, including angels and archangels, but bodhisattvas and all that, you know, hoping that we're going to wake up and realize what's what's going on, you know. And people call it cosmic consciousness, becoming aware of the infinite context in which we already exist. Not physical, but spiritual, psychic, the whole infinite consciousness kind of thing. Um, and I think my understanding is that there's more and more people day by day, every day, there's an exponential awakening happening. Like every single day, thousands of people are waking up, spiritually waking up, you know, are just breaking through having a, some kind of illumination, you know, and it's happening every single day, you know. There's millions, millions all over the earth praying, meditating, doing all kinds of rituals and stuff like that. Something is happening. Of course, the news don't report that because there's mm -hmm. nothing very... Oh, well, the news keeps us yeah. very, very agitated as, oh, as yeah. to life is catastrophic. And exactly. I want to pause for a second because yes. you use the word cosmic consciousness. And I just wanted to let listeners know, throughout your book and even in the title of your book, you spell cosmic with a K. Oh, yes. You, most of us use a we say <laughs> cosmic and we use a C, yeah. but you use, like, uh, in the title of your book, Our Compassionate Cosmos, is spelled K-O-S-M-O-S. -S. Yes. So why, why do you do that? For, okay, the reason for that is that the original word cosmos is a Greek word, right? And the original Greek word is with K, you know. And people like, well, even Walt Whitman and Ken Wilber, the philosopher, they use the K, you know. The difference is that cosmos with C is kind of Carl Sagan cosmos, you know, outer space. But cosmos with K is the infinite order of the universe, is the implicate order, you know, the the divine order of of all there is, which is infinite, really. And diverse. And diverse and intelligent and conscious and loving. It's not just atoms, you know. 
So when you say loving, that that's really wonderful. Um, it, it, I think we want an assurance. I know that I, I might have been Einstein that asked a question: Is the universe friendly? Yes. Uh, and and th- that was like a basic question: Is it friendly? It, it is. And yes. and you're saying it is. I mean, this this is a concept that's very comforting in some yeah. ways. And how do you know it's friendly? It's no more than a lot more than friendly. Is our mother? <laughs> he loves us, celestial mother. You know. It's very, very big. It's very loving. It's not just nice. <laughs> and the problem with I see this in science all the time. And uh, they're talking about galaxies and exploding stars, and they use word hostile. There's a violent universe. The universe is not violent. Why do we use that word for it? It's not violent, you know. Human beings are violent, not even tigers are violent, you know. Uh, we project our human thing all over the cosmos, you know. Right. Uh, when you talk about the universe uh, as being our mother, it's that this, these, these energies, this uh, infinite or immense intelligence. Yes. Which you call with a capital M-I and a capital uh, yeah. I, immense intelligence is the great mother. And I, I love that concept of the universal Mary. I mean, Mary right, is yeah. such a powerful concept in, of course, Catholicism. Oh, yeah. But when you talk about Mary, you're talking about the great mother. Yes. And this is a quote that I love from Emerson. It says, We lie in the lap of immense intelligence that makes us organs of its expressions and receivers of its truth. Beautiful quote. I always, every t- I meditate on that. We lie in the lap. Whose lap? You know, it's our mother's lap. Immense intelligence. Sophia, wisdom, you know, wisdom, infinite wisdom. You know. Yes. Um, so it's all there, you know. Light, love, and life. That's the Trinity, the real Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. I'm reminded of a Buddhist concept that I heard years ago when someone was describing death. And uh the the Lama was talking about it in terms of just think of it that you're running, running, running to the lap of the mother. <laughs> and just having that concept of thinking, oh, after the body dissolves and has the breath has left that our consciousness is joined in the lap of the mother and, right. and her infinite embrace. It just or it was a beautiful visual concept for it me is. that was helpful. Very beautiful. Yeah. And I also love the Tibetan concept, uh, the use of the expression, ground luminosity. Is that the lap yes. of in, immense intelligence? Ground luminosity is our fundamental... Uh, roots, really, you know. And as you might describe it, our aboriginal, our, yeah. our aboriginal, our original right. nature. Right. Yes. I always love that word, ab-original. <laughs> the ab uh, part meaning? Well, the ab is a, is a very interesting word because, you know, when Jesus talked about it, he spoke Aramaic, right? And his word for father was ab Ab, wun. It's a composite word that means father, mother. Mm-hmm. 
not father only. I left the mother out for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, must, well, may, may we yes. come back to this. Yes, I want yes. to remind our listeners that I'm here with Dr. Ricardo Stoker, and he is the author of Our Compassionate Cosmos, spelled with a K, Cosmos, Awakening to the Presence of Celestial Love. And we are here to explore the nature of the cosmos and cosmic reality and the unfoldment of our extraordinary potential as human beings on this planet. If you'd like to be in touch with Dr. Stoker, you can go to his email. It's Ricardo Stoker, S-T-O-C-K-E-R, at msn.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Ricardo Stoker, and he is the author of Our Compassionate Cosmos, Awakening to the Presence of Celestial Love. And we're talking about that celestial love in the form of of the great mother, great mother, father. And um, there's a concept, Ricardo, that you talk about in our evolving consciousness as we awaken that it actually is an evolutionary spiral rather than a vicious circle, you know, that, you know, and that's where we get stuck when we, when yes. we're not in touch with these other realms, we're going round and round and round in this circle. And right. can you speak about that? Yes. Well, uh, I'm a professor of psychology, you know, and sometimes I ask my students, are we animals? And many students say, yeah, we are. Well, I try to explain the difference that animals is one kingdom and we belong to the human kingdom. You know? And there is, what is the actual difference between animals and humans? You know? Again, it's a reductionistic. You know? um, we're not apes. There's something else. You know? But beyond that is the idea that there's a whole hierarchy of kingdoms. We are not the top of the pyramid, you know. Uh, mineral, plant, animal, humans, and then there's a whole bunch of superhuman kingdoms, including the angelic hierarchies and all the way up. And the humans who, who graduate to higher levels, initiates, saints, bodhisattvas, you know. Uh, not all of them incarnate, you know. So it's a great mystery, but there's a lot of kingdoms above us, above us, you know. And they're aware of us, you know, and they're helping us if we let them. <laughs> How do we let them? How do we call on that? Can they, can they just do it automatically? Invitation and invocation, you know, because the difference is very interesting. I heard this from many, many sources. The difference between the light 
spirits and the dark spirits is that the light spirits respect our freedom. They don't come uninvited. The dark spirits just push and invade us in any possible way. You know? But when you invite the spirits, invoke them, okay, I need help, I need guidance, I need whatever I need, they respond. They respond immediately. You know? um, I have a good relationship with my guardian angel. <laughs> and whatever I, I ask for advice, down to practical things, you know, what do I do next? What is it? And I, I get a lot of guidance directly, you know, but I have to ask, you know. All right. So when we talk about the dark forces and the light forces, I think that you make a statement that the powers of light are more powerful than those of the dark forces. How is that so? I mean, it Definitely. seems like the dark forces are, are winning out here. Yes. Um, the thing is that, you know, people talk about vibrations or calibrations at different levels, you know, but uh, positive, loving thoughts, compassionate thoughts have a lot more power than cruel thoughts, than, than, than evil machinations and thinking like that, you know, because they come from very high up and they have a totally different uh, voltage. They have a sacred voltage <laughs> uh, in that sense. And they can neutralize and nullify uh, the darkness. There's a, a word that you use about voltage and what was it? Holy... Electricity. Holy electricity. <laughs> that was it. Holy yeah. electricity. When I read that, I got, oh, wait, holy <laughs> electricity. Wow. Yeah. We think of electricity as very powerful. Right, right. And then when you put the word holy with it, like wholesome electricity, holy, right. sacred electricity. Many cultures have a word for that. Like, for example, like we have prana, you know, we have mana, ki, chi, all these words. They point to a very subtle, sublime, higher type of energy you know, that is always there, but it has to be um, tuned into, let's say, you know. And we can use the body as an antenna to pick it up kind of thing. So that we do that through meditation and prayer and practices and all of, including martial arts, dance, all many artistic, all the whole sacred art field is is an attempt to capture that and translate it so we can experience it. You know, what would you say about um, people joining in other communities? You talk about. Birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> so, so what yeah. would you say about the power of uh, of us seeking out others that are of like mind? Well, we all have role models, right? One kind or another. You know, uh, growing up as a Catholic, we had the saints. You know, we had to look up to the saints. Yeah, um, but it could be any kind of famous people. You know. Um, Bad people also have grown. <laughs> they want to be like Al Capone or somebody like that. You know? But so it's our ideal, our goal to become like so and so. You know, and so we can change our feathers and become different kinds of birds. So we can join other 
other levels, I would say, you know. So we don't have to be stuck with the same upbringing and conditioning that we, we got, you know. So, Ricardo, when uh, you talk about, like, the saints and, and the different people that we might admire, I know that you're saying this is not a time that we have to have a guru or a teacher to present this right. to us, that we have access to direct knowledge or direct um, enlightenment, yes. direct something. We are divinely designed and equipped in our body or bodies, you know, to be in tune like a musical instrument with very, very different levels of consciousness, including love and everything else. Um, we just have to activate those are the potentials that we all have, you know. And so when you when I look my role models, you know, Dalai Lama, I love the Pope, Pope Francis, you know. Um, Nelson Mandela, even Gorbachev, Mother Teresa, all these people, where are they coming from? You know, they're responding to very high holy electricity. <laughs> they're tapping into a very high source of energy to be able to do what they did or what they are doing, you know. That's my understanding. So you're saying that each one of us has a potential to do that? Oh, yes, definitely, yes. How do we activate that potential? Well, this is when inner work comes, you know. I also have an article called Homework. Are you, are you doing your homework? <laughs> uh -huh. What is your homework? Not the academic homework, but meditation, people journaling, all kinds. You have to find your own kind of homework, you know to activate your, your potential, to become your intelligences, that's another way of putting it, you know. It's all there, but if we don't do anything about it, it's going to uh, they're going to remain dormant, let's say, you know. How do we get inspired, you know? I love that idea of homework or the work we do at home, the yes. work we do at home, and in at home in our own beingness, in our own body, in exactly. our own self, in our own activities. So it's it's our homework. I love that that right. we all have homework to do. Definitely. We never outgrow that need for that homework, huh? Exactly, exactly. Yes, and. The book I, I published grew up of my homework because I have been journaling for years, you know. I still do it. Every day I write two or three pages, you know, um, whatever. And it's my meditation, you know, uh, my way of doing it. And sometimes wonderful ideas, even revelations come through as I'm working with that, you know. So that's, that's homework, you know. Um, you have to find your own style of people have different ways. Uh, so what I get from what you're saying is that that we are not alone. I mean, we're not we we seem encapsulated in our own physical body and it seems like we're just it's just us as an individual but we are in contact with great immensities uh in the universe, uh, cosmic immensities and cosmic intelligence. This is available to us. Indeed, yes. <laughs> 
the Buddhists talk about the bodhisattvas, you know, there are thousands of them. It's not just one, you know. Uh, saints, initiates, mahatmas, whatever, different levels of kingdoms, you know. And the thing, like, I write about this, when you sit praying or you're meditating, you're not alone because there are millions of people doing it all over the world, you know. And as soon as you tune in, you are not isolated in your little corner. You immediately, it's like singing in a choir. You're, you're joining uh, many, many souls who are tuning into higher harmonies. You know? You're harmonizing with millions of people praying and meditating. That's such a positive, positive yeah. uh, outlook and positive idea and experience that as we're meditating to realize that we are connecting with millions of others in that moment. Exactly, exactly. And you're saying there are more and more of us, so that that's what is causing this transformation into a new era of open consciousness. The new paradigm. The new paradigm. Yeah. And the new paradigm is... Well, the difference between the old paradigm and the new paradigm, I wrote, I read, I wrote about that in their article in that magazine, is that the old paradigm is fixed on uh, power, profit, and pleasure, entertainment, comfort, all that, you know. And the new one is concentrated on peace, people, and planet. Those are my ideas, but peace means harmony, you know, being tuned with heaven and earth and all that. And people, a great variety of people, you know, take care of people, you know. There's tremendous needs all over the world, you know, uh, and and planet, of course. We need to take care of the planet, you know. Yes. So that's the new. Unfortunately, we are in a backtracking a little bit, but... The pendulum is going to switch. The it's going to swing two, back. Yeah. Two steps forward, one step back, but two steps forward. I'm here with Dr. Ricardo Stoker, and he is the author of Our Compassionate Cosmos, spelled with a K, K-O-S-M-O-S, Awakening to the Presence of Celestial Love. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his email, Ricardo. Yeah. Stoker at msn.com. Spells his name, last name, S-T-O-C-K-E-R. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Dr. Ricardo Stoker, and he spells his name, his last name, S-T-O-C-K-E-R, Ricardo Stoker. And he's the author of Our Compassionate Cosmos, Awakening to the Presence of Celestial Love. And he spells cosmos as in the Greek cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S. Ricardo, I, I would love for you to say something about how we can become more optimistic and how the old maps are no longer representing the changing and shifting of the territory we're living in. Yes. Okay. Um, we have a tremendous civilization going on here, and based on traditions and all kinds of discoveries. But the, the dark side of that is that it's fixing our minds in the, um, the, the everything has to be the same, always permanent, written in stone. And so we are blocking the influx of the ever new. Every single day, if you look at the planet as it moves around the sun and the whole solar system, and the exposure to the cosmos, every moment is absolutely new and fresh, you know? And... Um, so being open to that, you know, the, the air, the yesterday's air is not the same as today's air, you know, everything. Um, so we tend to focus on, you know, how terrible we are polluting the planet, we're doing terrible things, which is true, it's happening. But we're not isolated, you know, we, we're not just, there's all kinds of energies coming in all the time from the cosmos, you know, not just meteorites and particles and rays and uh, beams, but also uh, emanations from higher beings, you know. And like uh, people call it broadcasts, you know, from heaven, actually. And if we can tune into that, we say, oh, my God, you know, grace. There's another word for that is grace, you know. Uh, Walt Whitman calls it the best of time and space. <laughs> mm-hmm. Grace. And... It's always refreshing. It's always there um, to recharge us, you know, and be able to to heal personally, socially, globally at all levels. You know, I'm just thinking as we were talking earlier about uh, the evolutionary spiral. Yes. And when you mention the planet going around the sun, and that's a circle, so to speak. And it's actually not quite a, exactly a circle, but it's looks right. mostly like a circle. But then we're moving around the galaxy. Exactly. Uh, in another way and that's and then the galaxy is moving around other galaxies and it just as it goes out and out and out then then you can start to see oh if you see a bigger picture you can see it as a spiral and all in fact the Milky Way galaxy exactly. looks like a spiral. Exactly. And, um, well, that's what people call about precession of the equinox. We talk about we are moving out of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. It's a symbolism, but it's a new age, you know, because, well, the, the old Hindus talk about the Kalpas, you know, the Kali Yuga. These are big, big cycles, you know, huge cycles that we are. It's all, everything is in motion. Everything is in motion very high levels too. So we're exposed to all kinds of 
wonderful things. <laughs> wow. Great, great. Yeah. And and then I know you also make a point that more souls are reawakening every day to to the awe and wonder, the grace, as you say, the glory of this boundless universe yes. of love. And and can you speak on that? Yes. You know, when you go to do some research and say, how many people are born every day, how many people die every day, is a population statistics, you know. So you get a number there, you know. Every single day, so many people die on Earth, and every single day, so many babies are born, you know. It changes like that. But what I call sacred statistics, <laughs> every single day, millions are waking up, not just in the morning, I kind of clicking into a bigger dimension of consciousness, a new dimension of consciousness. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is happening all over the world, you know, and people articulate that differently, you know, through art, through religions, through whatever, you know, but it's part of the collective awakening. You it, know, it is happening. It's definitely happening. I, I'm thinking also as as we are bombarded with the clutter of negative corporate media, you know, we're just yes. bombarded with it. It attracts our attention. We're almost programmed to, to notice that for our, I guess, our survival, what, yeah. what is going wrong and, and those sorts of things. But uh, I'm reminded in this conversation that you and I are having today, Ricardo, that the the importance of spending, as you talk about our homework, spending some time every day tuning into this other other dimension. It's the one thing that can help us consistently remember to member again why we're here and that we are not alone in this manifestation right and this creation yes yes and that's where stillness and silence come in silence means the turning off the static electricity the noise the noise of civilization not just the external noise the mental noise the emotional noise all this noise that is interfering and creating turbulence psychic turbulence you know so we just um, people use the expression holding the clamor of the world at bay, <laughs> just opening up a cocoon of silence and stillness so you can tune in what is really going on in nature and, and the universe. You know. And that there are other intelligences and agents that are of help, that Definitely. those are real. You're saying like angels or Mahatmas or other agents uh, from extraterrestrials. I mean, that yeah, these, yeah. There, there are other intelligences that are also available to us that we can trust are, are good. How do we know that they're not dark forces that are informing us? <laughs> ah. That's a good question. Well, that's where this discernment comes in, you know. That's the one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know. That you see the difference, discrimination, the true meaning of discrimination, discernment. You can tell you can, your your heart knows. 
is your your truth detector. You know, your heart knows. So the heart is an organ that's more than just pumping blood. Definitely. <laughs> so the heart is is a a place that we can trust yes. our own heart. What what can you say? Well, about people that? talk about the intelligence of the heart. You know, uh, many today and also ancient people, the heart is a highly intelligent organ. It's not just pumping blood, but it's tuning into, you know, that's why we talk about the immaculate heart, the sacred heart, the many different kinds of hearts, you know. But, um, it's an organ of reception of the um, immense intelligence, which is wisdom, which is love, all together. Really. And I'm also thinking about how, I think it's called the Three of Swords in the Tarot, uh-huh. and it shows a heart being pierced by a sword, and it's broken open, and the challenges that we we face as we successfully confront them and successfully work through them, there's a breaking open of the heart to a bigger place each yes. time, that each time we're successful in that, in moving towards love and peace and compassion. Compassion, that's the key, compassion, that we feel the great suffering in the world. And the great paradox is that you're opening up to compassion, but also to joy, which is a great mystery. How can you, if you would know the suffering that's going on on the planet right now, you would just hide and cry forever. (laughs) But how can you be joyous at the same time? Because there's hope. There is Mm -hmm. something really good behind all the suffering, you know. I would like you to say something in these closing in this closing minute. There's a word that you use over and over in your book that okay. attracted my attention okay. because it's one of my favorite words. Okay. And you use it to describe many things and but it's a word that you use is exuberant. <laughs> we are living in an exuberant universe. Can you just Tell us uh, what that word yeah. means to you. Well, we use that word when we go to a, you know, to a tropical rainforest. It's so exuberant. You know, there's great diversity. It's uh, boiling over with, with beauty, with life. You know, and that applies also for, um, for love and for light and for diversity, multiplicity. Exuberant is uh, full of vibrant vitality and joy at the same time. Like children are exuberant, you know, excitement and and beauty, you know, a fountain of beauty, truth and goodness. Well, with that, uh, I'd like to thank you so much, Ricardo, for being part of New Dimensions today. Thank you so much, Justine. It's a pleasure for me, yeah. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dr. Ricardo Stoker, and he's the author of Our Compassionate Cosmos, Awakening to the Presence of Celestial Love. And if you want to know more about his work, you can use his email. It's ricardostoker at msn.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, and he spells his last name S-T-O-C-K-E-R. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions.
This is program number 3634. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions. Thank you.